This is Talk To Me. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Talk To Me. This is episode 245. The guest this week is Dustin Davidson of August Burns Red. They have a great new album, Guardians, out April 3rd on Fearless Records. Dustin and I talked just a couple of days ago, a few days after their recently canceled tour that featured Kill Switch Engage and Light the Torch. What a monster tour, and it's terrible that they had to go home. But uh, with the ongoing coronavirus epidemic going around the country, things are getting shut down. People got to go home. But uh, Dustin gave us a great insight into how they found out that they were going to have to end the tour, what he's been doing since he's been home from tour. And hopefully uh, all the Kill Switch Engage, August Burns Red, Light the Torch dates will be rescheduled for later this year once all of this coronavirus stuff dies down. But like I said, they have a great new album, Guardians, out April 3rd. We are going to check out the song Defender. Talk to Dustin Davidson of August Burns Red. Check out a classic August Burns Red tune. Get Rob Rivera's pick from the kit. And then I will talk to you guys momentarily.
right, guys, on the line we have Dustin Davidson of Grammy-nominated August Burns Red. Dustin, it's so good to talk to you today. Josh, thanks for having me. I, I'm doing well. How about yourself? How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Like we just said before we started recording, the sun is out, and uh, you can't uh, you can't go wrong with that, right? That's right. Sun's out here, too. It's a beautiful day. We It was a cloudy day yesterday, and we've been dealing with some rain, but the sun is out today, and it's a beautiful day. I'm assuming you're back home in uh, Pennsylvania? Uh, yeah, I live in Maryland. Okay. Um, I live in the the skinny part of Maryland is what I tell people. It's Western Maryland. So I'm like about like 10 minutes from the PA border and about 15 minutes from the West Virginia border. Nice. You can go to West Virginia. There's no coronavirus there, they say. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's a a surprise, right? (laughs) You know, I didn't want to talk coronavirus and then we're a minute in and I already already brought it up. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the uh, we'll kind of get on that, but you know, with the latest tour getting canceled, uh, the last headlining show you guys did was here in Louisville, and from the uh, you know, I had a photographer at the show, I had some friends at the show, and from from everything I gather, man, it was a packed house. Yeah, that was an awesome show. We weren't sure what to expect. It was kind of like a last minute thing. Um, the Kill Switch tour, which uh, we were a part of for two shows, and the Louisville was Louisville was the third day. Uh, that so that that headlining show was kind of like booked last minute. Not a lot of promotion went into it. You know, it's not a tour package. It's it's local support. So we weren't sure what to expect, but we got there, and that's a really cool venue. First off, like it's there's so many pool tables. That's really nice to see. I don't have a place like that. I love playing pool, <laughs> and uh, both pool halls that we yeah. had here in town shut down. So I don't have a place to go play pool anymore. So that was cool. And honestly, the venue side was pretty cool too. Um, it was an awesome show. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a cool venue. Uh, you know, it's it's probably not my favorite in the in town, but yeah, it's for a, for a touring band to come through and uh, you know, all the tables, there's food, there's pool tables, there's uh, you know, all the TVs for sports. You know, you can't yeah, uh, you can't go wrong there. Next door, uh, I walked down the street to Mile Wide. I think is what it was called. Uh, that was a cool place. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, the uh, the Killswitch Engage tour, man, what a monster tour! And you know, kind of kind of run through how you knew it was going to get kind of canceled, and kind of run through you know just the the feelings of having to go home, you know, after starting such a such a monster run. Yeah, man, it, it was. <clears throat> excuse me, it kind of just happened so fast. It was crazy how fast it happened. You know, we started the tour with um, sort of sort of like an uncertainty on what was going to happen, and pretty shortly into it, I think it was day one. As I had mentioned, there were only two days of the tour. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it was mm-hmm. day one. It was like we had heard that Seattle was going to shut down all events over a thousand. Um, and then I think around the same time, San Francisco was like, yeah, same thing. Uh, and then, I mean, I think again, it was day one when, uh, what was the first one? When the NBA and the NCAA announced. Uh, no, no March Madness, madness, and we're going to postpone our season. Right. I think that's when it really, to me, started going. Okay, well, I think this is a reality. I think we're going to have to postpone this tour. Um, and then day two, so so each night it was like the mood on our bus was just it was low because <laughs> you know for uh, us band dudes and our crew guys, our crew guys don't even have jobs right now in this time. Like venues are shut down. So uh, our front of house uh, engineer Chris, he works at live nation venues when we're off tour uh that doesn't come when he's not touring and now shows and with everything shut down you know it's like can you even drive uber are people getting in cars like i mean bars and restaurants are closed are you just ubering for takeout are you driving yourself like it's just a it's a really strange time and as i had mentioned it just kind of 
each morning was like, all right, what's the news? What's happening? And then day three, which was our show in Louisville, um, <clears throat> kind of sat down and, and a live nation was having meetings and we were talking to our booking agent. And at first the word that we got was that, okay, guys, arena, arena tours aren't going to happen. Um, we'll get the word on everything else. So we had like kind of like a little, like uh, a little hope in that it was like, okay, they're only going to mm-hmm. cancel arena tours. That makes sense. Basketball games, uh, baseball games. There's a lot of people there. I mean, I know there's still over a thousand people at these shows. Maybe we can work it out. Maybe we can do like two nights of like, 1,000 one night or, or 9.99 one night, 9.99 second night. We weren't really sure. Like we really wanted to do anything <laughs> right. that we could to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And and then we got the call. And it was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna have to postpone the tour. So it's not canceled. Um, it's just postponed. And we're working with Kill Switch to to reschedule it um, this year. Uh, this is the tour that we were so excited for we don't get to do support tours that often this is a really cool tour for us to be with kill switch and i think a lot of our fans were excited uh it's a great crossover between our bands um yeah man it's it's, it's such a disappointment but all tickets are going to be honored when we do get this thing rescheduled and we will come back out and play those shows that we were supposed to play right now so so how does this affect you personally with having to go home i mean touring is such a huge part of your of most musicians income so i mean does this put you personally in a a huge uh huge bind um it doesn't necessarily put me in a huge bind um i don't i'm not a family man i have a girlfriend but when i file my taxes i'm single you know what i mean so uh so like i don't have a family that i have to support so um there are a couple of guys in our band that that do have families they have to support so I uh, imagine that the time is going to be more trying for them. Um, but it's, I, I, you, you had mentioned that touring bands, like we make our money off of our, our tours, right? So the last show we played was the Christmas show, uh, Christmas Burns Red Festival that we put on uh, back in just before Christmas. So we're going to get through these first months of this year having no income coming from touring. But the way that I'm looking at it was, you know, I can, I don't, it, it's not, nobody likes to go into their savings, but uh, I do have enough savings to, to get me by. And just kind of, like I said, the tour is postponed, it's not canceled. So we're going to have that income. It's just like right now, just going to have to wait and dip into the savings. So, well, let's get on to what we're supposed to be talking about, which is the new album, Guardians, out April 3rd in Man. What a banger of an album this is, man. I'm loving it. Thank you. you. You know, I don't get a ton of bass players on the show. You know, when the publicists, you know, send out the uh, the availables, it's normally the main guitarist or the vocalist. So let's talk bass playing for a little bit. And are there moments on this album that you're the most proud of as a bass player? As, you know, when you hear this new album and you maybe play it for somebody, you know, a bass line's coming up. So you look at them, you know, is there something like that where you're uh, you're super proud on this album? Yeah, first off, let me say on behalf of all bass players out there, I'm so happy to represent <laughs> you all. <laughs> there you go. So, no, I, and it's like I mentioned to our publicist and, and, and everybody in the band, like, hey, guys, I, I want to talk. Put me out there. Let's, let's get there. I want to talk. I wrote um, half of the record. JB and I are the main songwriters. Um, so, yeah, I'm a bass player in the band, but I also play guitar. I also play drums. And I arranging songs and writing material is my hobby that's what i love doing in my downtime and that's what i will be doing um with this time that was given to me to not be on tour so 
but yeah, as far as bass playing goes, there are several parts on the record where your focus is going to be on the bass, or I did something cool, maybe your focus isn't on it, but you hear that and you notice that the, the bass is, and always has been, very prevalent in our mixes, and mm-hmm. we, that's just that's a thing of our sound. If you go back to uh, the first record I was on was Messengers. I, I, the band got started in 2003, put out a first record, Thrill Seeker, in 2005. Um, shortly after that, um, their original singer, actually not, they had a singer before him, so their second singer and their bass player decided touring was not for them, so Jake and I joined the band right around the same time, within a couple months of each other, and Messengers was our first record, and yeah. I, I can remember mixing that record uh, with our producer and being like, "Hey man, can you uh, can you turn up the bass on this part? <laughs> like I did a riff there. I want to hear that." And it's like I go back and listen to that record. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. "Man, the bass is like a guitar on this album. It's so loud." But um, so yeah, the bass has always been a part of our mix. And sure, there are definitely some some standout parts um, on Guardians where you're going to focus on the bass and you're going to hear that bass. Metalcore specifically, a lot of bass just kind of gets lost, which is funny because of how detuned everything is these days but yeah the bass tends to get lost in a lot of these mixes so uh so yeah it's definitely good to see that and i i did watch some videos with you last night and you were talking a while back about you know when you go to write bass parts you learn the guitar part first and then kind of base your base your bass parts off of that did you do that on this record too um that's funny i do remember saying that i i didn't really do that necessarily but that's uh, in the past i did that because jb was always the main songwriter and i would lend like one to two or three ideas uh or songs i should say uh for the album like uh, phantom anthem i wrote two songs um carbon copy and lifeline and then for this new record uh i wrote half of it so a lot of my time was spent writing guitars and putting songs together so i didn't necessarily take the time to learn jb's guitar parts and write my bass parts based on that but i am a very um i'm very quick to learn stuff especially off tabs mm-hmm. we still use this program called tabit and so like when jb or i write a song we send it and you can listen to it in midi which is that old school nintendo sounding thing or <laughs> nice. uh, yeah it's, it's an interesting way to do it matt used to track drums to that instead of real guitars it's pretty funny to think of it like that because it's like pianos and stuff but um so yeah so we have i have the tab right in front of me and i'm very quick to learn stuff so um i think maybe a couple riffs i might have done that for but uh, for the main part, I didn't really do that as much on this record just because of how much time I spent writing the songs that I put forth to the album. You talked about being, you know, multi-instrumental uh, there. Did you start out a bass player? Did you start out a guitar player? What did you start out playing? Yeah, I started out uh, a bass player. Uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, Smithsburg, Maryland. Um, very small town. Uh, and in my neighborhood, I had some friends who were starting a band. And back then, I was really into to pop punk and punk. Blink-182, I would have said, was like my first favorite band. It's who got me uh, into music, and you know, I expanded from there. But uh, we, I ended up joining a band, neighborhood band, with some guys that were older than me when I was, I think I got my first bass around, it was, I think it was sixth or seventh grade. So I was like 12 or, or 13. I actually remember that bass. It was a Washburn Lion. My mom got me from a, a pawn shop with a little mini amp. Uh, and so I, nice. I joined this band and I named the band actually. We were having a hard time with band names. And I'm very proud of this name Dr. Seuss Counts to Ten. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you picture a punk band, Dr. Seuss Counts to Ten. Um, that's nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, you know, that's one question I should always ask is your first band name because they are always great. Oh, right? 
and that's that's perfect for a punk band i think but so yeah that was yeah, yeah. that was one of many bands and i think jb told me one time he's like dude you've played in so many bands growing up you should just like tweet all of your band names and get something started like my first five bands i played in or something like that but but <laughs> dr seuss council 10 was the name of my first band and uh it didn't last long i was eventually kicked out uh I, I don't remember why, but, <laughs> but probably, probably was, drugs and drinking at the time. Yeah, because they were in eighth grade, so they were getting into cigarettes, <laughs> and I was over here like, "What's a boner?" I don't know. I, I don't even know what right. that is. <laughs> so, um, but um, no. So I played. I played in that band, and then from that band, uh, I forget about what I got in drums or guitar next. I think I picked up guitar on the same time, and then I realized uh, I, I played. I remember playing the seventh grade talent show. Uh, I played bass and sang. Or wait, no, no, no. Seventh grade talent show. It's so funny. I haven't thought about this in a while. Seventh grade talent show. Uh, my friend Dustin played drums. I played bass. Um, my friend Derek, who I grew up playing in bands with, played guitar. And we had my friend Emily sing. And we covered Blink 22's All the Small Things. And Dustin, our drummer, was really bad. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Dustin. He was very bad. He couldn't <laughs> hold a beat. He just played kick and snare, couldn't hold the hi hats. And he messed us up, and we had to walk off stage. The following year, I played bass and sang. We got another guy to play drums who also wasn't that good. And I played bass and sang My Heart Will Go On, the Newfound Glory cover with uh, my friend Derek. Uh, and then after that, right around that time, I realized if I want to uh, make it in a band, it seems like I'm going to have to play drums because nobody plays drums. <laughs> like nobody knows how to play a drum kit because that's what I did. I went to my friends who were in like – in the school band and would play the snare drum, you know, like, and I'm like, Hey, man, <laughs> right. can yeah, you play yeah. a kit? Like we got a rock band together. Can you play? Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah. It, it didn't work. It never worked out. So I, I got my first kit around seventh or eighth grade right in that time and started learning drums. And then throughout my entire, uh, time in high school, I was a drummer. I played drums and that's when I started getting into to metal and heavier stuff. And I, I got into like, I think thrice was the first band that kind of pushed me over the screaming edge and kind of developed from there. Um, and uh, I started playing drums just because we couldn't find anybody who could play technical drum parts. So, yeah. Yeah. Typically there's like the one drummer in the group that's in like 12 bands. If he's good, he's in 12 bands. Right. Like there's, there's no getting around that. You know, it's funny. And, I, I bring up the bass player stuff. Listeners of the show know I, I was a bass player or am a bass player or whatever you want to call it. But it's funny, the, the story of everybody kind of has that, like, you know, it was it was a bass player out of necessity, you know, every... And I remember being in, like, the 7th, 8th grade, and my whole table of friends was like, I'm going to be a guitar player. I'm going to be a guitar player. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be in a band, I should be a bass player. Exactly. <laughs> so. Nobody ever just says, ah, I'm going to be a bass player, <laughs> you know, unless it's, like, right. outside of, like family influence if there's like a bass player in the family like for instance when i started playing bass my uncle was so excited because he played bass guitar in high school he's like yes i can teach you stuff i'd love to sit down <laughs> and teach you some stuff on the bass and i'm like all right cool man let's do it <laughs> so outside of family influence who does pick up a bass guitar and say this is my instrument <laughs> what type of stuff was he showing you i'm trying to I'm trying to think of the the era there would it be like some rat or what are we talking uh, smoke on the water <laughs> he's a he's a really big rush fan uh so i, I oh, recall oh, sitting shit. down with him and, and trying to teach me some rush stuff but i mean he had a hard time with it too <laughs> and the bass player these days is kind of the dying breed too because i've seen touring bands come through with the bass is just on tracks you know and you're like come on now 
you got to have the, if you're going to have some bass player, you, you know, some bass, you need a bass player, not just some tracks. I agree. That kind of bumps me out to see that. I, I mean, I understand why some bands would do it because maybe money's tight or something like that, but it's not a good, it's just not a good look. Yeah. Like, especially for a metal band, I feel like yeah. you're so used to seeing five guys on stage. It's just, it really breaks <laughs> it up if you just see two guitars and you think, oh, well, I know that's backed because when I go to a show, I'm often thinking, I'm, I'm listening, I'm going, what's what's backtracked here? What are you backing? But if I go to your <laughs> show and you don't have a bass player, I'm like, all right, cool, your bass is backed. <laughs> so, but some when you go to shows, do you are you able to just enjoy the show? Or are you analytical like I am? Uh, I'm definitely analytical, but I enjoy the shows uh, because I'll say this: I don't. I don't go to shows often. I really go to, cause I do it all the time. Um, I go to shows for bands that I love. Like um, last year, was it last year? I think it was minus the bear. I'm a huge minus the bear fan. Um, they had their farewell, their farewell tour. So I went and sang along to every song and had a good time. Um, I saw Jimmy Eat world last year. I'm a very big Jimmy Eat world fan. Uh, but then I also, uh, you know, I do this kind of like break down the show and think about what's going on and, look for technical difficulties and mess ups and things like that, that <laughs> as a band, cause it's the thing too, when something happens to your stuff, you think in the moment, you think it's the end of the world. You have like, for us, we have in ears in. So um, my, my bass is very loud in my ears. And it's like when something's going wrong or I mess something up, I'm like, Oh God, everybody heard that. And then it's like, you go look <laughs> at the show recorded. Like for instance, JB had a, a, a technical difficulty uh, the second night of the Kill Switch tour, where his guitar wasn't giving a hundred percent output. So it was like the gain wasn't all the way there, and it sounded awful in the ears. And we watched some videos online, and we're like, "Okay, well, I can't tell." And we asked our front of house, "Could you tell JB's guitar was messed up in the first three songs?" And he's like, "No, why?" Okay, <laughs> all right. So, but it's really hard in that moment to not to not freak out and to not like let it ruin your show. But I try to keep in my mind that people bought tickets and paid money to come here and see this. They didn't come to like, look at me pissed off because I'm having a technical difficulty or something like that. I really try to keep that in mind because often if something's wrong, uh, it's, it's really just in your head and it's not out there out front. So, and those shows tend to be the ones you walk off stage and, and you're waiting for the criticism and it's immediately like, oh my God, that was the best August Burns Red show I've ever seen. You know, it's it's, it's insane how that works too. I know, and, and it happens more times than not. And it's, and it, it feels good to 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 hear that when you know something went wrong. It's not like things go wrong all the time, but when they do, and somebody says that to you, it's like, wow, they didn't notice that. That's, I'm glad. <laughs> you you brought up the uh, joining the band in 2006, roughly 2006 ish. You guys have had a very steady, you know, no member changes since 2006. You know, what, what do you uh, attribute that to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing, honestly. How many bands can uh, make it that far? And, Not a yeah, lot. So, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, honestly, I don't know if it has something to do with age or just like living with people and, and just understanding them better. Like, we, we know each other so well. We know how to push each other's buttons. Um, we know what to say and we know what not to say in a certain moment when you don't do that. And I think that's just part of essentially growing up with these people. I mean, we're with each other up to six months a year. And before that, when we were younger, it was even more. But I honestly think H, just thinking about it here right now, has a big part to do with it. 
we're we're adults now, and uh, I I don't want to push buttons anymore. I don't want to make these guys upset that I play a show with every night. Um, I want to set our differences aside, whatever they may be, and have a good working relationship because unlike uh, like a nine to five job where you work in an office or something like that, you can go to work at uh, at your office or Quiznos, wherever you work, and you can be with somebody <laughs> who makes that experience awful, and then you go home yeah. and you get away from that person. But when you're on tour, you can go to work, play the show, have a maybe you got a fight, maybe it's a bad situation, then you come off the stage, well, then you're in the dressing room with them. Well, then you go to the bus to shower or to hang out. Well, then they're on the bus. Then you get in your bunk and they're sleeping three feet away from you. So it's it's a unique job in that you don't have an escape, really. You're rarely alone. And and I think that's why it's so important to have a good working relationship with not just your band, but your crew members as well. The road can definitely make and break a band. You can start a band in your garage and get it signed and everything else, and but then once you get on the road and you're, like you said, man, just on top of each other 24 hours a day, that's when you see real personalities come through, and any differences you have are going to shine bright at that point. Absolutely. You know, listening to the new album, uh, just kind of going through it, man, I, I was like, man, Defender is so good. And then Lighthouse comes on. You're like, man, this might be my favorite song. You know, Dismembered Memory. I'm like, man, this, I mean, it's just killer after killer, man. And uh, and it's so good. And I hope everybody enjoys it and gets it and all that great stuff. Thank you. I'm glad to hear you uh, mention Lighthouse. That's that's interesting. I was a little nervous about how that song would go over. It's a little singing. It's a little, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of wondering. I guess I'm wondering, too. But I think at this point, man, I'm a... I'm, uh, I, I enjoy some uh, some some you know melodies. Yeah, um, and I actually I, I wrote Lighthouse. JB and I kind of collabed on a part in that song and um, on the main writer of that song. And it was one of those songs that I told him I was like, hey, I got the song. It's almost done. And I, I was like, I don't know that I that I want to finish it. And I showed it to him. And I had like two and a half minutes written, and I had the clean part like laid out. And I showed it to him, and he was like, why would you not finish this song? It's almost done. He's like, I hear something. Do you mind if I rework your clean part? And I was like, sure. So he took the clean section while we were on uh, Constellations tour in the U.S. last year, and he took the chords and the leads and stuff that I had and, and rearranged it and did a different – completely changed the feeling, did a different, like, drum beat and brought it to me. He was like, what do you think? And I was like, cool, I'm going to make some tweaks to that, and let's do it. Um, but it was a song that – that I was nervous about because of the space that I left in that, you know, that opening mm -hmm. part of the song, which is, which is the chorus. Uh, I knew what I was doing when I did that. And, uh, it, when I first heard the song, cause vocals are the last things that happen. I was like, Oh man, like I'm not <laughs> the kind of guy who likes the, the clean singing stuff in metal, but it took some time and it really grew on me. And then I'll tell you what really sold me on it was hearing it on the album because it is the only song that is singing it like that. Um, Phantom Anthem, Float was kind of like that. So I, I think it, it's it's a great place in the album. We moved it around the track listing a little bit to kind of put it and break up the album because the album's very heavy and it's really relentless. It doesn't it doesn't let down much. Um, so we felt like that was a that was a needed track to be there on the album to give a nice little break and add some diversity. And you know diversity is your strength, so. <laughs> uh, you know, before we get into the rest of the year for you guys and uh, everything, are you stockpiled on uh, toilet paper and, uh, you know, milk and eggs and stuff? 
Oh, it's funny you ask. Um, well, I came since I came home from tour. I don't leave food in my house. You know, I, I always cook fresh, and um, I don't buy canned food or frozen food. So uh, I don't like stock up on things before I leave. You know, so I left for tour. Didn't have like any food in my house because I was going to be gone for three weeks, and I also only had like three rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> and then I heard about the toilet paper shortage and was like, okay, well, what do I do? Excuse me, my dad was like, well, I went to Sam's Club a couple weeks ago. I got a giant thing if you need some. And actually, fortunately, my girlfriend's mom picked up a six-pack for me the other day. She nice. found it. I don't know where she found it because it's nowhere around here. So I think I'm good now. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we actually had to go grocery shopping the other day, and we needed toilet paper. But I was just like, man, we are going to look like a like one of these psychos that's just out of your stockpiling. So. But we got it. We got it. We're good. Yeah. We just steal it from work. It's That's crazy. what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I know. I just don't. I don't like being a part of it. I, I, same as you. Like I went to the grocery store yesterday because of uh, Maryland uh, instituted that after 5 p.m. curfew that bars, restaurants, wow. anything, gyms, all closed. So uh, restaurants still open for to-go orders and stuff like that. But that's it. Um, so once he said that, I was like, you know what? I, I better go now because I better get what I need to stay inside for two weeks. And I did that. And I'm telling you, the line to check out. I live in a very small town. The line to check out was like 40 people. And I just, I had my cart full and I just stood there and smiled. And I just, I wanted to just leave my cart and just get, pick up, I'm a backpacker. I wanted to go get my gear and just go into the woods and just <laughs> get away from it all. So I felt, but I'm standing there just smiling and just looking. And this woman goes, are you in line? And I just go, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was so distraught, man. Yeah, we, I, was, I stopped at the grocery yesterday to grab a couple of things that we couldn't get the first time, and I ended up having to buy some some super bougie bread. So, uh, but man, it's actually really good. So, I might uh, might have uh, switched over to like some sort of uh, some sort of bougie bread here for these sandwiches. Um, <laughs> and then there was a lady there too. That lady walked past me as everybody was checking out and she was like, all oh, these people are crazy. And I'm like, you're in the middle of it too, lady. Like we're all not crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody said something to me the first, cause I went to the grocery store on my way back from tour yeah. the day after the Louisville show. And, um, I have, I didn't have my shopping cart full cause I was like, I'm not buying into this. I don't want to be that guy. Um, in a time of crisis, we should be taking care of each other, yeah. not filling oh, our, absolutely. our carts with toilet paper and water. Like we should make sure everybody has that. And, so I didn't want to buy into it. So I bought enough groceries to make fresh food for the week. And I bought some snacks and protein bars and stuff like that. And uh, I'm standing in the checkout line. And this woman turns around to me and looks. I had, I had paper towels in my cart. And she turns around and looks at me. And there was a person in front of us who had like two giant things of paper <laughs> towels. I just had a thing of four. Right. And she goes, what is it about the apocalypse that makes people think they need paper towels? <laughs> and I go, first off, it's not the apocalypse. And secondly, my work was just canceled for the next few months, and I remembered on my way home, shoot, I need paper towels. I want paper towels. <laughs> too crazy, man. This yeah, is all so crazy. crazy. Do, you, do you have any idea when the Kill Switch Tour is going to be rescheduled? Are they taught, you know, I'm assuming you guys are getting updated as much as we are about stuff. Yeah, we haven't heard any updates, but um, they, they assured us that they're going to work with us and not just schedule it on our own to try and fit our upcoming schedule. Because as of right now, we are scheduled to go to Europe in June. Um, I hope this whole thing is over by then. Uh, but who knows? It's crazy. And the uh, like we said, the new album, uh, Guardians, is out April 3rd. Make sure you're getting that and uh, so that Dustin can eat, eat for the uh, next few months. <laughs> Thank Don't you very much. Don't just go stealing yeah. it, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, if you stream it, that's fine too. But if you are a vinyl collector like me, we have plenty of options uh, on our web store. You can visit augustburnsred.com to check that out. Um, that's the way I buy music these days. But I also have Spotify too. So, you know, it is what it is. It's good for streaming. Cool, Dustin. Anything else you want to get out there while we're on the on the line? Um, just want to say thank you uh, to anybody who's been a, a supporter of August Burns Red for um, it's been over 15 years. Uh, it's really cool, and thank you all for supporting us for so long. Absolutely, man. Well, take care. Take uh, you know have have a good rest of your day, and we will uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Josh. Take care as well.
What's up, everybody? Rob Rivera here from the band Nonpoint and from the Robcast podcast here doing my weekly uh, segment here on the Talk To Me podcast, Rob's Pick From The Kit. Uh, for those who don't know, I do have a podcast. It's called the Robcast podcast, R-O-B-B cast podcast. And you can check us out on um, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever hell you listen to podcasts. We might be adding things to YouTube in the future. That's still to be determined. But if you have checked it out, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, This week, we're featuring the band Testament and their brand new song that I actually heard today for the first time called Children of the Next Level from their upcoming album called Titans of Creation. I think it's coming out on April, maybe 7th or 9th. I'm not really sure. It's coming out in April. And so far, the songs that I have heard, uh, this one and Night of the Witch, are amazing songs. And and to think that after all these years, Testament can still put out this consistent material. And these two songs, I'm really happy, doesn't have the... You know, the standard thrash beat. These are really heavy songs, and it looks like they've taken their time. And and they got the beast Gene Hoagland behind the kit. That's Steve DiGiorgio on bass, Alex, Eric, and Chuck. I'm so excited. They're actually playing right in my area in Joliet at the Forge in May. And the show is sold out. I'm hoping that I can get to the show. But definitely check out the New Testament album. And that is called uh, Titans of Creation. And this new song is called Children of the Next Level. Peace. Finish with education, supreme 
Thank you to Dustin Davidson for taking the time this week. Very cool chat. Very cool insight into what's going on in the August Burns Red camp. Make sure you guys are checking out their new album out April 3rd, Fearless Records. And also make sure you guys are checking out my new show with former Rock and Metal Combat podcast host Ian Wadley. It's called Diablos in Podcastica, a take on the Slayer album. Go check it out. Rate review. There's already about six episodes out. So make sure you check that out. It's a lot of fun over there talking with Ian Wadley of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on our new show, Diablos in Podcastica. 
So until next Thursday for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you soon.